Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Hello and welcome to another edition of Saturday Night Napsuck, the show that's... Broadcast whenever you listen to it, but it's taped on a Saturday and released on a Saturday night. It's a silly name and a silly concept from a silly man. Please welcome your host, Ken Napsok. Definitely not a knight. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Hey, everybody, it's me, Ken Napsok, broadcasting from my studio here in Burbank, California. It's Saturday Napsok. Silliness, interviews, sincere interviews. I, I just. I just I'm just here with you, and I miss you all. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Hey, um, we're going to do something a little special. This is not an ASMR broadcast, all right? You can use it as such. I'm going to eat dinner. Uh, I got I got behind to some work. I was like, well, i got to eat dinner. I'm going to eat dinner, then I'll, then I'll record an episode of the podcast. Dutch Allen's coming up in the second hour of the show. Second hour, second half. Dear God, could you imagine a second hour of this bullshit? All right, so I'm going to combine some things, but I'm also going to try something for the first time live to tape with all of you. I, 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 I videotaped uh, myself uh, for some silly schmodown thing today. I, I had fun doing it, but, uh, you know, I looked in the video. I was like, eh, you know, I, 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 I'm lifting a lot of weight, so I'm a thicker boy now, but I'm still uh, not happy with how I look, right? And you could do two things. You can, three things. Three is the number of the county. You can look at yourself and go, I, I like that. You can look at that and go, I don't like that. I'm going to do something about it. Or you can go to Cheeseburger. I don't know what the other one was. I was going to say it. Anyways, um, it's in the news again. This always comes up. And I don't understand it. Adele, and it feels like I'm just chasing Joe Rogan's tail here, right? You know? Uh, no, Adele changes the shape of her body by all accounts her choice and it's a point of conversation both directions let, let the woman do what she wants she was talented and, and sexy when she came on the scene and she's talented and, and, and sexy now and by the way gentlemen learn to say the talented part first women like being considered sexy they also like the other things it's simple get it through your thick skulls I'm not joking. It drives me crazy. Learn. I learned. I used to be like sexy and uh, and beautiful. I dropped my fork. God. You know, I used to be that guy. I used to be that guy. Uh, she's sexy. Oh, and also talented. Adele's been talented. She wants to change the look. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm all for it. Whatever she wants to do, if she feels good. She doesn't feel pressured. Maybe it's health reasons. I'm not, I think that you should do it for health reasons, hit the gym. But I also like to do it as a form of therapy. You might not. You might legitimately hate it. And no one's going to, no one should force you to do it. All right. Unless you absolutely have to for your health. For your health. For your health. All right. So because of that, I've been trying to eat a little bit better and it's been going okay. And, you know, I've tried that before in my life. I lost a lot of weight. When I first got hired at Collider, that's where I love looking at those pictures. I first went over there. I got, I don't know, inspired. I was now closer to home. It was like five minutes from home instead of 45 to an hour and a half at times from Screen Junkies. Started eating better. I lost a lot of weight. You look at some photos back there. It's like, all right, good stuff. Use those as a promo, promo picture now that it's like already four years old. Can't do it. Um, so I'm trying again. But I owe a lot to Grace. Grace has changed a lot of things. In fact, I'm going to open up a drink here. 
You hear that? That's a Zevia. I, 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 I wasn't saying it was a crazy soda drinker. I stopped that a long time ago, but I love to diet Coke. I love to diet Pepsi. If I was heading somewhere, I stopped at a seven 11 that definitely, you know, a little, little, uh, can, uh, not, not even well, can, but those little plastic bottles of, of Pepsi diet Pepsi, never, never the regular stuff. And yeah, the diet, the diet stuff is worse for you. I know it was a taste thing, a hole. So we do that. Grace came along and, and I've, I've switched to these. Uh, I mean, I'm fine with water. Like I'm, I'll take a water with lemon, I'll, like an iced tea. I have to cut back on the fruit juice. Fruit juices will get you. You think, you know, I was most of my twenties. I think most people are in twenties. Most of my twenties, I was like, oh, I'm eating uh, healthy tonight. I'm going to have uh, um, uh, just a, a light sandwich on wheat bread to be healthy, and I'll have um, a, a fruit juice. Uh, you know, fifty-eight grams of sugar in the fruit juice. Took one of my doctors in about two thousand ten. You might be dying. Uh, did you eat a lot of red meat and ice cream? It's like, are you are you live with me? So I've changed a lot of things, and the Zevias, man. Mm. Ah, that's good Zevia. It, because you might be like me. I, it wasn't that I needed the Diet Coke, the Diet Pepsi, or the Diet Dr. Pepper, and the regular Dr. Pepper. It wasn't that I needed that. It was, you're addicted to that can in your hand. You're addicted to the pop of the top. In the bubbles, right? And that's why a lot of the waters, the bubbly waters, the, the crease, and all the stuff out there, I'm all for them. I'm not, I don't like a lot of them, but I'm all for it because it's, it's mental. Like, you put me, it took me years, years, I says, to break me from the habit of if you put me in front of a basket of chips and salsa, which, let's be honest, is something that happens often. If you put me in front of that, I... Pavlovian dog, I craved a Diet Pepsi, not even a Coke, a Diet Pepsi. Pepsi, Coke, Coke, no Pepsi. I craved it. I really did. Really did. And I had to break that. I can have chips and salsa with an iced tea. I can have it with a water. I can have it with a margarita. That's a different problem, all right? All right? Um, Zevia's zero sugar. I got some caffeine. I'm not saying it's 100% clear of anything bad, all right? I'm sure there's some of it, but look at this. I'm reading the back of the can. Hear that can? Total fat, zero Gs. Sodiums, zero MGs. Total carbs, zero Gs. Total sugars, zero Gs. Uh, protein, zero Gs. All right. There's stevia leaf extract, tartaric acid. That probably could start a car, but it's okay with the other stuff. All right. Hey. Zevia is from Los Angeles, distributed out of there. I like them a lot. I love them. I love them. Different flavors. They got a Dr. Zevia. This sounds like a commercial. Someone should write them and say, sponsor this poor guy. I don't even need money. Just unlimited cans every week. Dr. Zevia. It, 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 it takes away my cravings for Dr. Pepper, which might be my favorite soda. So I switch around. So, you know, Grace did the, the switch to vegetarian, vegan type of thing. She's done it before. She'll probably, you know, every once in a while. I don't know. She, she's pretty solid on it. Um, and I support it. Totally support it. But it, and to her credit, to her, very much to her credit. I was worried. I was worried. The first day I was out recording a podcast, she texted me something about being vegan or so, or she was going to switch. And I was like, oh, God, here it goes. She's going to ask me never to eat red meat again. She never did. She never has. Probably never will. She just encouraged me. She has a lot of ethical reasons beyond it. I'll, I'll, you know, she could write her own essay. She's got a podcast starting soon. Uh, go follow that. Uh, think piece. But uh, she never pressured me, and that's the way to do it. Because I was like, all right, you know, I'm not happy with my health. It's not even the way I look or feel or weigh. It is the the just, well, feel a little bit, the after effects of food. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm at that age. You hit that age, like 31, suddenly like, wow, I have a slice of pizza with pepperoni on it. I need to go to the ER. Like, it's not good. It just starts to happen. Like, well, I, you know, it's a trade-off. If I have this dinner tonight at Wood Ranch, I know tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I'm going to be busy in the bathroom. You know, like, it's, you just after you're like, I don't want this. I don't want this anymore. So I said, let me give some stuff a try. And I, I have tried. I've never been, like, full veggie or vegan before. And I'm not right now. I read meat. 
it's going to pop up every now and then. A chicken, shrimp. I love a shrimp. I love a shrimp. Sound like Larry David. I don't know if he, I don't think he likes shrimp. I think he, I like a good shrimp. Well, he does like shrimp. He was pissed off that those four shrimp were taken from his meal early on, season two. So I stand corrected. So, uh, yeah. I was like, let me see if I can find something that tastes good because no one, the problem with health food doesn't, doesn't taste good. There was, I think there was a restaurant called like the Good Earth and there might be a restaurant now and everything, but it was like, it was like a chain years ago. We're talking 25 plus years or so. And we were heading down, uh, we're heading back actually on the 101, me and my family, my mom, dad, sister. And on the way down, all right, let me tell the story right. On the way down, my mom says, I, on the way back up, because we are going down to L.A., and then, you know, going down to the relatives, then we're going to go back up to A.G. She says, on the way back, I want to stop at that restaurant, the Good Earth. It's like a vegetarian, and I don't even think vegan was a thing we knew to say back then, but it was like, it's a healthy restaurant. And me and my sister are like, no, we want Carl's Jr. Mom's like, no, we're going to go there. So we do that on the way back. It's not there anymore. I think the shell of the restaurant is, but it's not there. Right off the 101 Ventura, Ventura Oxnard range. And we go there. It was horrible. My dad was just like, I want a steak. They don't have a steak, nothing. I had like a, you know, your concept of, it was like 10 or 11 or 12 maybe. And it was like, your concept is, I have a hamburger. You don't have a hamburger? I'll have the nearest, closest replicant. And it's not good. But we've, so that's stuck in my head. But we've changed. It's gotten better. It's gotten so much better. And I found I found a lot of things. So tonight, right now, I'm eating dinner. I'm going to eat dinner. I have some loaded cauliflower. And I've had cauliflower. I love cauliflower crust pizza now. Uh, Grace and I made a homemade one a few weeks, a month ago, a couple months ago now. God, time flies when you're locked down. And I'm going to grab that out and do it again. Mm. So we're going to try this. We're going to try this. My first actual legitimate bite of this loaded cauliflower, it looks like mashed potatoes, but it's cauliflower, little like onion thing, bacon, but it's probably faking. We're gonna try it out. See, like, hot damn, this is good. This is good shit. Swearing a lot. I'm real pissed off today. I did some, I'm really mad today. Taped something. And then taped it the wrong way. I'd go reshoot it. Took me hours. wasn't wasn't happy. Mm. This is really good. And to the naysayers out there, I've seen your jokes. Not necessarily you listening, but I've seen the jokes. Mm, cauliflower. And cauliflower is not a substitute for everything. I have never had anything that is cauliflower that's taking the place of something else that I haven't enjoyed. Maybe it's like cauliflower. I would not say I went through life loving cauliflower. Yet here we are. I love cauliflower. This is really good. I just got to get a momentum, man. I got to get a momentum. Cardio, weights, more vegan and veggie foods. I think I can finally start getting down. You might not see it. But I see it when I look in a, not even a mirror, I look in like a video. Who's the old fat guy is all I see. And maybe that's, that's not healthy, but what it is, is you got to get good with you. Don't let anyone else tell you what it is. You get good with you. You want to make changes? You make changes. Like, like I made changes in my clothes. I saw a picture of myself from about five years ago in Vegas at a, at a wrestling event. Like, who is that guy? I don't like that guy. I don't like that. I don't want to be that. Cargo pants and work boots and a polo shirt. I mean, it didn't stand out. No one looked at me and went, hey, look at that bad guy. But I look at it now, I'm like, that's not me. It's okay to change. It's okay to change who you are. Untuck your shirts from your jeans. Unless it's a dress shirt. No T-shirts into your pants. What are you, 90? Come on. Even then, untuck it. All right, now I'm being mean. That was really good. That's all I want to do. That's the first segment of the show. Because I was going to try this meal. I was assuming it was going to be good. But if it was bad, whoa, wow, that would have been great radio, huh? Mm, me spitting out food. No, it's great. It's really effing good. 
We're going to keep ordering this. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Dutch Allen, he's firing up the uh, the old cigarette. He's going to come in here with a ranking, I think. Yep. Got some stuff, new segments, old segments, commercials. Pay the bills, they say. Mmm. Hot damn, that's good. I don't, don't get, look, I enjoy pork. Pulled pork sandwich is great. Tri-tip, San Maria style tri-tip. It's all there. A little moderation. Mmm. We'll see you. Stick around. of the Work Safety Manual 10 Steps to Prevent On-The-Job Food Comas, and I'm here to speak to you about a serious problem plaguing social media, a problem that first emerged years ago but only seems to be growing. In fact, you've probably been a victim of it. You probably know someone that does it. Or worse, you might be someone that does it. The problem is over-serious joke-tweet response syndrome, or OSJTRS for short. This is the phenomenon which someone makes a social media posting that is clearly designed to be humorous, wry, a self-effacing jape, or what's sometimes called a joke. Then a large number of seemingly normal people respond to that social media post with a serious response, often as if they assumed the person making the post was in need of a large swath of unsolicited advice. In short, they become a virtual wet blanket. The responses seem to be completely devoid of the ability to understand humor, tone, intent, and make the responder seem like a lifeless sociopath living alone in a cabin desperate for any human contact. The Organization to Increase Humor Awareness in Today's Modern Social Media Landscape, or O-T-I-H-A-I-T-M-S-M-L for short, is here for you and anyone you know suffering from this highly distressing lack of awareness. Not sure if you or someone you love is suffering from OSJTRS? Just look for the signs. Do they give advice when none is asked? Express disbelief that what was just tweeted is real when clearly the joke teller could not possibly be serious? Do they try to top a joke with their own? Yet it's not funny. Then they might be suffering over-serious joke-tweet response syndrome. And help is just a phone call away. Go to itsajoke.org for more information. Brought to you by the Advert Council and Morning Drive Media. Hey team, I'm Grace Hancock and I wanted to let you know that I'm adding new designs to my Society6 shop with several on their way. If you didn't know, you can go to society6.com slash Mrs. Graceface and shop prints of my original artwork as well as tons of other items like stationery, notebooks, mugs, throw pillows. It's a great place to shop for gifts or just for yourself, especially in my shop if you like witchy expressionism. So head to society6.com slash Mrs. Graceface and check it out. It's time, baseball fans. The new podcast feed, Box Score Heroes, has arrived. This is the new home of the show, Behind the Bag, with Ken Napsok and Tom Dagnino. And is also the place to find shows like The Legends of the Wax Packs, the only baseball power rankings you need, and My Favorite Baseball, a nostalgic look back at the game we all love, and more. Find the podcast feed on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. Box Score Heroes is your podcast home for everyone with a passion for all things baseball. Dave Clark 5, catch us if you can, and that song was by request and dedication via the hofmradio at gmail.com address. That is for John Mariano out in New York. His kids, they listen on the TuneIn radio app, and they're dedicating that to their dad during this lockdown. And it sounds like also a challenge, not just a dedication. 
That one is for you, John. Right now, Roberta Flack. First time I ever saw your face right here on 107.5 FM. Clink, clink. Pete, you know you know the band that plays this song here? I don't understand it. I don't I don't know them. Seems like it might be I wish we had an in-house band. I'm Dutch Allen here, everybody. Welcome to Inside Tensor Town. This is a shorter version of the show. Used to be full versions of the show, but uh, no one wants to hear Dutch for more than uh, ten minutes or so here. So this is what you get. For now. I don't have. I didn't have a contract here. Uh, you know, I, I'm so used to saying "go picture" to everyone else that uh, in, in Hollywood over the last uh, 40, 50 years. I just overlooked that little detail there. But I, I trust uh, the folks here behind uh, the scenes here to Napsock Files podcast feed. There's a lot of people work. It's it's like four people. I trusted them. Well, Kenny Napsock uh, hasn't done anyone wrong. Handshake deals work with him, so that's what I did. But I, now I'm questioning my decision there because I used to have full-time shows. For those who don't really know me, I'm Dutch Allen. I used to be a Hollywood producer. Long career, long career in Hollywood. Put the kid in the pictures. That's not me. That's the other guy, rest his uh, soul. But I had a long uh, time uh, in, in the Hollywood trenches there. Uh, friends with a lot of people. I used to do some things in there. So uh, a couple years ago, they decided um, I'd done some appearances on a, on a show called the Skmoes know, and it was a good time. A lot of fun people over there, and uh, uh, someone named Mark Ellis. And, uh, you know, so uh, somehow, some way, they said, put a microphone in front of that person there. So this is that. But here's the problem. So, yeah, so, and that's my uh, producer, Petey, there, who lets me smoke in the studio there, as you can hear. Here's the thing. I got to tell you this. This is what this is the true thing here. I, I um, the ratings of the show slip it here. The Dutch Allen Inside Tinseltown program uh, slipping a little bit there. So uh, we were thinking about what to do. Petey uh, sent me some lists. Uh, he sent sent me uh, some ideas. He called it a think box, uh, which is uh, back in the day used to be just a smart girlfriend. That's a dirty joke. That's a dirty joke, and I'm not happy with it. Not happy with myself. Caddy, Caddy Napsack tries for better, and I didn't. I went low. I went low. So did she. Get out of here. Get out of here. Mm. All right. So, Petey sent me uh, some ideas of what he calls the think box uh, on something called Google Documents, uh, which apparently is a, uh, uh, you, it's like a web page you go to, and all your ideas uh, from uh, everyone who's connected show up there. And then if you're not careful, well, that gets your credit card information or something like that. I, I don't know how. And I don't want to be, I, uh, you know, I don't want to be one of those guys that's afraid of technology there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I opened it up. Uh, who am I kidding? I had my assistant open it up, and uh, she's delightful, and uh, she showed me the ways. She quit last Friday, though. I don't know what the problem was. So here's the thing. So uh, he said, Petey said, and he's in the room, so it's awkward because I'm staring right at him. Luckily, we both have pants on. What's up? Mm. So um, he says, uh, we're trying to raise the ratings. People love ranking shows. They love uh, a topic. And rankings, uh, you know, best uh, Batman um, um, in, in movies. Uh, uh, they like the best laser sword fights. Uh, and then people love to talk about them. And then they spend hours debating the rankings as if they mean Jack uh, squat. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they go online with their opinions. Your ranking is wrong. Your very personal ranking system based on your own life's experiences, points of views, wants and desires is wrong. Here's why. Uh, here's why I like that movie above this one. Uh, you know, uh, the best picture of, of 1998 should have been this one there, which we all know probably should have been Steven Spielberg saving private Ryan. Um, so uh, I said, I conceded. I said, I know. All right, let's do this. But I said, the, the one condition here is, Petey, is that trust me, I was a big producer that made a lot of money back in the day. Uh, one of the last pictures I, I produced uh, in a full-time capacity before I just kind of became kind of an advisor was a great picture, Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, and i got to tell you something there. Uh, Ackroyd, Danny Ackroyd's a, a good friend of mine there. I drink his tequila. We, I've chased aliens with him there. I don't know if I believe him or not, but uh, he's convinced. And because he's convinced, uh, you're convinced after a while. 
I, I don't go at his house, uh, though, because Aykroyd and his uh, wife, uh, Donna Dixon, there, who's just a doll, uh, they've uh, convinced her there's something going on in uh, almost any house they've owned, which gets suspicious. But I guess they say these spirits attach themselves to you, which is uh, sounds uh, pretty bad. It sounds uh, it sounds like something I want to avoid. I don't want anything attached to me, uh, you know, unless it's a dog, and even then, how much do you poop? So here's the thing. Uh, um, I told Danny Aykroyd, I don't do nothing but trouble. Uh, don't do that. Is that the picture? Is that the picture? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, no. It was, it was, uh, it was uh, him, Chevy Chase, uh, and uh, it was uh, the Demi Moore was in the picture. Is that the name of it? Nothing but trouble, or no one cares for you. It was something, nothing but trouble. That's it was the picture. Yeah, crazy picture. He wrote the screenplay. It was like three hundred. Every script. That Daddy Aykroyd would write was uh, was about three hundred pages long, and I would uh, tell him all the time, "You got to stop that, cut it down." Landis would tell him that too, but he didn't listen to him, and, and quite frankly, no one should listen to anybody with that last name. But I'll tell you what: so uh, he and his brother Peter wrote the script for nothing but trouble. John Candy, rest his soul, rest his peaceful rum and coke loving soul, uh, was in the picture. Uh, Chevy Chase, uh, I, you know, Chevy, uh, he's all right. I've had my moments with Chevy, good and bad, and Demi Moore, which I, I still can't believe we got Demi Moore in the picture. And I was, uh, I was uh, an advisory uh, kind of a producer on that picture. But I told, I told him, I said, "Don't, you got to get out of there, Danny. That's not the picture for you. You got, you're driving Miss Daisy. You got Ghostbusters too, which you know, creatively might not have as been as good as the first one there, but you have some heat off of this." And you go to this crazy picture there. But he did it, and he didn't listen to me then. So anyways, I to- so I told Petey, I said, uh, my producer here, I said, just let me do this. Let me do a quick ranking. We'll get the ratings up, and people will want the full-time show uh, back on here. So here it is. All right, without further ado, this is going to be exciting here. Uh, inside Tinseltown, ranking of my top five divorce settlements. All right, these are items I picked up from the divorces, a few under my belt. The first divorce, I'll tell you what, number five, we go five to one or one to five? I know it's one of those options because three to one and follow up with four or five wouldn't work there, but we'll run through it kind of quickly. My number five, uh, 1964 was actually my first divorce there. Uh, we were married about three years ago, uh, and, uh, you know, Sharon was the name, and she was a she was an absolute uh, uh, sweet uh, bird, and I, I loved her a lot. I still do to this day. Uh, she remarried again uh, to a guy who owned a pool cleaning business in Chatsworth, California, and it was good. But we got married in uh, 1959, Sharon and I. Good, uh, humble ceremony. Uh, we did go uh, for the honeymoon. Uh, I didn't have as much money then. I wasn't a top-notch producer yet. I was associate producer, assistant producer. Uh, you know, those, those kind of little credits that don't mean uh, anything here in this town. They give associate producer credits away at the bus stop, you know. And so we had a honeymoon, a sweet little honeymoon up in Solvang, California, which is uh, a little bit more developed than it was now. The, back then it was... Uh, it was like one restaurant, the Split P. Anderson Soup Restaurant was kind of nearby in Buellton. But in Solvang, they had one restaurant, a sweet shop, and then they had like a, a five-room hotel there. Uh, you know, and the walls were thin, I'll tell you that much. Uh, the people next to us, also on our honeymoon. We got to know them pretty well. So Sharon and I were up there. It was a good, good start to the marriage there. And I don't talk, I do have some kids, I don't talk about it, Dutch doesn't talk about it too much there, but uh, Sharon and I got along great, a good time, it was good conversation, uh, it was, uh, you know, the, the uh, nocturnal wrestling was uh, was pretty good, if you know what I mean, uh, and I was younger and spry back then, I miss those days, I miss those days a lot, we could, <sighs> yes, I miss that, oh, there's that one thing, um, so, uh, but it was good, then it just kind of fell apart, I started getting more successful, but it wasn't like the thing where I, I left and, uh, you know, because I was getting more successful and therefore there was more food to sample from, any of those kind of things. This was still young in my career, 64. 
But uh, we, I was getting more busy. I was working hard. This is it. And she worked hard, too. She was a hairdresser for a while, uh, worked at a shop over in Sherman uh, uh, Oaks uh, there off of uh, Fulton uh, in Ventura area there. And she was over there. She was, she was really talented at that. Uh, so, uh, but it, it just didn't work out. So we got the divorce. Uh, we got the divorce. And the settlement uh, was uh, the, the biggest item that she uh, got from me there, other than the uh, monthly payments there, is she actually got, and get this, I actually stole a football championship ring from Alex Karras. I uh, used to play for, like, uh, the Detroit in the old NFL days. We're going to be an actor. Uh, Victor Victoria, I believe. A lot of things there. Um, and uh, so I, I took that ring from him at a party. He didn't really it. But I find his keepers, losers, are definitely weepers. And I took that ring. Uh, what a good George Papad was there that night. Uh, I was I was really hoping that uh, uh, Hepburn would show up there, but I guess she, she didn't socialize with Papad that much there. Uh, Karis was there. He was still a big brawly, uh, Ronnie uh, football player there. And so I stuck his room. I had myself a few uh, rum and cokes, if you know what I'm talking about there. And I took it straight away from his, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, not, not boudoir. Well, it was in his boudoir, but uh, the shelving, what do you call it, uh, chest, chest, hope chest. Is that, I don't understand. I stole it. I don't remember those details. Anyways, it was mine. I stole it in about 61, I think. Uh, so I had put it up there in uh, my room, put it on display, and it was, it was, uh, Valued during the court proceedings, uh, Alex Karras' championship football ring was valued uh, at about $22,000, which at the time was a lot of money. I think now that translates into uh, the budget of, uh, of a Netflix documentary, really, uh, at that point. It was, uh, so uh, she got that there. Sharon uh, immediately sold it there. Now, these are back in the days. So you didn't have uh, the internet to help you sell things. She immediately took that ring uh, down to a pawn shop near her, Ventura Boulevard, Fulton area. She went the other way to Havenhurst, and she uh, sold the ring there. She allegedly got about $25,000. I said, hey, it's a good deal there. It's a good deal. I tried to go get the ring. Uh, Karis beat me to it. Uh, I, she, I think she was talking to Papad. I really do think she let George, George Papad know that uh, I had take uh, taken the ring. So Papad told uh, uh, Karis uh, went back and got the ring there, and he didn't talk to me much after that. So I understood. I understood. That's fine. That's I'm fine with that there. So that's uh, the first thing, number five on the settlements there. Uh, number four, the next divorce. Actually, wasn't that. I'm ranking. It's not the divorces that were going in order there. So this one actually we're going to 1983. I was a little older back then, a bit a big-time producer, but I knew uh, times were changing there. Bruckheimer and all these cats were coming in here, making these big action pictures, and I was trying to get a deal together with Eddie Murphy. I really liked Eddie. I really believed in Eddie, and he was coming off of 48 Hours, Saturday Night Live, and this is around that range. And if you had out with Eddie Murphy um, during this time. He's a young kid. He's in his early 20s, I believe, there, and I was not. You know what I mean? And so uh, he would bring me around. He, he was trying to, I was trying to wine and dine him there, but Eddie liked at the time there, did like chasing the skirts. Uh, I don't know what was under all those skirts, but he liked chasing them. And so uh, you'd be there at the parties there, and you hang out. So it was a wild time there. My wife at uh, at the time there was uh, a nice lady named Cindy, and she was back home. Uh, she was back home uh, with some kids, uh, I'll say that there. And uh, she had given up a career. I, she, she was, uh, and I, I'll tell you what, I would never recommend doing that anywhere. Either way, uh, you swing whatever you're looking for in love. Uh, don't let your partner... Give up their own credit, even if they want to. Say, don't do it for me. Don't do that. Don't do that for both of us. It's going to be good. And uh, Cindy was a actor. She uh, liked local theater, and she was on a performance of uh, My Fair Lady and Funny Girl uh, back uh, in the days in the uh, Granada Hills Community Theater. A uh, nice theater up there on uh, Lindley and Devonshire. Uh, she was up there doing her, her thing up there. And that's where we met. I was not going to the play. I did not intend to go to the play. There was a bar nearby there, Starlight Club, I think it was called. And I uh, got lost and was looking for uh, my car, which at the time was a nice uh, T-top Thunderbird. And I ran into her. She was getting ready to do the play. And, and, you know, there was a little bit of a spark there. Cindy was a nice uh, nice, uh, nice girl there, a nice brunette. And uh, so I went in and watched the play. We got married. That was about 79, I think it was. Uh, and back then, uh, you know, the, like the 118 freeway, to get to the valley, that deep in the valley, the 118 freeway uh, was uh, not yet completed, I think. It was it was in a straight run. The Devonshire would take you all the way through out to Santa Susana, Santa Susana Pass, out to Simi Valley, all those places. I didn't go there much unless you needed to ride a horse or something like that. Uh, 
And I'm not talking about uh, something sexual. It's just, you know, an actual, that's not a euphemism for anything. You, you go out and ride the ranchers out there near Topanga, where the Manson family was at one point there. So anyways, uh, Cindy and I did get married. We did get married in about 79, 80, 80. Uh, so by 83, 84, I'm hanging out with Eddie Murphy trying to get him in a picture. We had a we had an interesting uh, uh, picture. Now, see, he had just been, uh, you know, he was there 48 hours, uh, Beverly Hills cop. He was playing that kind of the law side. And I said, what if we flip it around here? What if we reverse it here and you're a cat burglar? And uh, it was a great picture. It was called, uh, you know, In the Heat of Meow. And what ended up, uh, it was a picture. And, and that's, and this is what got me. When I finally sat down and pitched Eddie at one of these parties, he said, uh, wait, so you, a cat burglar, I thought you meant like a little uh, small-time crook or something, break in like a flower shop, steal a rose or something. But this is a picture about a guy who goes around stealing cats and then forms up an elite team of cats uh, to steal a uh, jewelry uh, item, that, uh, like a diamond of higher value. And he said, first of all, this is uh, somewhat similar to the uh, MacGuffin in The Great Muppet Caper, which I said, oh, God, you're right. And I'm a friend of Chuck Roden's. Chuck Roden and I, uh, I wouldn't say we were party buddies or anything, but we'd have good conversations on the studio lot and have coffee there. Uh, Diana Rigg was in that picture. Let me tell you something. I know Diana. I know Diana very well. She's uh, on that. Uh, she was on that Game of Thrones show for a while. There's uh, with the dragons and the boobs and all that. There, uh, back in the day, um, Diana and I had a. Uh, you know, we knew each other. I'll just say that we knew each other about seventy-five. We did not get married. So um, I said, Eddie, you got me there. I said I totally forgot the Great Muppet Caper had the baseball diamond. It's the big plot device there. What if we change that there? You and your team of cats won't be stealing any kind of diamond. We'll think of something else out there. By then, I lost him. By then, I lost him. And he said, but you know what? You're a nice guy, Dutch. Go ahead. Hit the party. Uh, find some uh, distractions and uh, do what you got to do. And so I did. And that's the problem. And I don't like infidelity. I don't like it. I don't think it's a I, – I don't mind moving around after the party's over, going to another party. But when I'm at that party, I'm at that party. You know what I'm saying, Petey? Petey has tuned out. He's taking his headphones off. He put his feet up on the desk. I don't... All right, I can do this. I can press all the buttons in the world I want there, right? Like, if I do this button, what does that do? That Presentation uh, of morning brings up the, uh, That's the beginning logo of the show. Uh, what, okay, so that's not the one you want. I tell you what, you know, last time you went, weren't here, Petey, we did an isolation episode. I handled myself pretty well. So, anyways, Sydney uh, and I got married on the account of... Uh, and then on the account of the infidelity at Eddie Murphy's party... In about 83, 84 range, uh, we separated there. I think it was, I think it was 84 there. And uh, it, it broke, did break my heart there. Uh, so in the, uh, in the uh, settlement there, uh, Cindy did get my uh, T-Top Thunderbird uh, there. The one you take the tops off. It was a fancy, fancy car. It was a fan, and it, it, it tell you what, I was, uh, I had one of the uh, mobile car phone put in, early model. It was so big, it was the size of the passenger seat, so she actually couldn't sit in the front of the car if I had to do business. Uh, we, I'd have to sit her in the squeezer in the back, quite frankly. It was a little, little tiny, like a little rumble seats there, and... You know, I would uh, have to make these calls there and uh, tell him, yeah, Eddie didn't sign up for the picture and everything. And so she was so upset at that call because she had to sit in the back. She took it. It was the first thing. Uh, quite frankly, it was the only thing Cindy asked for in the, in the divorce. And uh, that's okay. I understood. Uh, so she had that. Uh, but here's the funny story there. Cindy was a good girl there. Cindy was a good girl. So she tried to get back into acting. And by the way, she was a talented actor. I totally support everything she tried to do. And uh, she... Um, Developed a little bit of a um, <clears throat> drinking problem, um, I would say, and unfortunately crashed that uh, Thunderbird. She was okay. Didn't take it. Didn't harm anyone else there. She hit. She was driving up on Moholland there, and she came up on Woodrow Wilson Canyon Drive. Uh, I believe it was called in Moholland. She tried to take a, a right turn and somehow went left and crashed. So uh, she's okay. The car was not. I lost that in the settlement there. Uh, my number three settlement uh, actually happened in 1977. I was married for four weeks. We got divorced uh, after four weeks. It was a quick and easy thing. Uh, and what we uh, she got in the settlement uh, was uh, the bowl of keys uh, in which uh, we had put our keys in at a party and uh, got home together that night. And, uh, you know, she had a lot of sentimental value for it, uh, attached to it there. And uh, she uh, ended up taking it. Uh, now, I, a lot of people don't 
don't know this. Uh, we don't talk about it a lot. Uh, it's not there. You don't get to find it on a Wikipedia page. But that uh, that lady was uh, uh, was Dinah Shaw for four weeks. Yeah, it was a wild time. It was a wild time. We were at a party, and I'll tell you what. It was uh, Paul Williams, John Denver, and we were sitting there. Chuck Groden might have been there. It might have been where I met Chuck Groden for the first time. Paul Williams, great songwriter. John Denver, of course, you all know. And they were talking about both of them doing some work with the Muppets and uh, talking about that stuff there. And Dinah Shaw, you know, you ever remember her show, uh, the Dinah Shaw Show, uh, which I told her to change that. The Dinah Shaw program might uh, roll easier off the tongue there. It was, yeah, so we reached in, grabbed some keys. We went home. Uh, in the morning, we got married, actually. We drove out to Laughlin. Uh, we got married at a chapel there, and it was a good time. Four weeks later... We were divorced. So that was the settlement. That was it. Wham, bam. Thank you, sir. She took the uh, a bowl of keys. And uh, we would, up until, she unfortunately passed away, of course. But up until that time, we'd, we'd share a nice postcard once a year. Because that's how you did it back there. You kept in contact with the people who affected your life in a positive way via postcard. That's just something I think, I wish more people would do. The number two, Petey, I don't think you like this list, Petey. The more I'm hearing it there, you know, I, what do you want from me? All right. What do you want from me? The number two, the number two settlement was uh, actually 1992. It was uh, um, my wife Carol and Carol uh, and I had, uh, met after I kind of emerged from the divorce with Cindy and uh, stopped uh, hanging around with Eddie Murphy, trying to get him to do a picture there, and uh, we were hanging around. And I was coming off a little bit of a little bit of a comeback success. You know what I mean? The, the driving Miss Daisy picture was uh, getting some attention there. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this, uh, but I, uh, they came to me, Disney came to me and said, we're going to make this picture called the rocket man. And I said, uh, you know, rocket man does not roll off my tongue. You should change that to the rocketeer. Boom. There you go. Joey Johnston comes on to do the picture, I believe. Right. Joey Johnston did that. Did he do that one day? I think he did. Uh, and uh, whoever was great director, good time. And uh, that's what happened to, to the picture. Was, it's a it's a cold favorite there. And I hang that on my hat. So out of that, I met uh, my wife, Carol. Carol actually worked at a Dupas. She was a waitress. And she worked at a Dupas restaurant over there on Ventura Boulevard. Yeah, as you can tell, I spent a lot of time in the valley on Ventura Boulevard. Uh, <clears throat> that's what, um, you know. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. Thinking about Carol and I had a good time. Carol and I had a good time. We had a very open relationship, not in terms of uh, sexuality or anything like that. Though there was time, one time we uh, did bring back the short order cook uh, named Frank, and uh, I experienced some things. Uh, I was uh, I was older. I was open to them, and uh, it was a good time. She had a good time. Uh, and that was uh, that was a little bit later in our marriage in '94. There, and we were divorced. In 95, her and Frank got married in 96. And so uh, it was a good time, uh, you know, while it lasted there. Uh, but the divorce was a little bitter. I was I was very angry there. I was very angry there. Because you know, I'd met her. I went to a DuPas one day, lonely, uh, depressed, uh, not sure. But even though I was successful again with Rocketeer, uh, driving Miss Daisy, things I was involved in there, I was a little depressed. I went over and got a, a, a flapjack and an omelet over there on the DuPas. Uh, DuPas was a great, great restaurant. Great, great restaurant if you wanted to get yourself an omelet. Uh, and I would, good, I would. Uh, three eggs, uh, three eggs, cheddar, chives, uh, put some chives on there. No locks on my bagels, but definitely a lock or two on the omelet, which people would say was weird. Fish and eggs, they say don't go. I'm not even sure lock, a lock is a fish. I'm not sure what it is. It's pink is all I think I know. Uh, and so we struck up conversations. And, and Carol, I'll tell you what, she brought me out of the darkness. She brought me out of the darkness. I'm absolutely what it was, what it was. But, uh, you know, her and Frank are happy now there. But so divorce was bitter. So I went, I tried to fight, and I think that pissed her off. I think that pissed her off. And Frank and her, she was uh, serving the food. He was making the food. Uh, so they uh, they built me. Uh, they went after me. And uh, even though I felt, uh, you know, this was a form of infidelity, uh, you know, she uh, countersued and said I was the one who uh, got drunk and said, uh, tell Frank to bring his wing-wang over here and let's see what we can do with it. And uh, so the judge held that against me, and I actually had to settle and give her $2.5 million. Most of my take, uh, the points in the back end uh, from Driving Miss Daisy, Rocketeer, uh, and some of the other pictures during that time, uh, Predator, the first Predator, too. Not the second Predator. I, I didn't... I didn't I didn't understand the second predator. There was a lot of things going on there. 
I said, keep it in the jungle. Don't bring it back to L.A. We don't need that. Just make it uh, exotic, foreign, a little different than uh, the streets of L.A. There, but they didn't listen to me there, so I'm glad. I, I bowed out pretty early there uh, with four feet. So she took $2.5 million from me, Carol did, and her and Frank opened up a restaurant, actually. Uh, and uh, they retired. Uh, they, they're going good in the restaurant. They sold it. Uh, they, they made a profit off of it, so God bless them. I, uh, you know, I, nowadays, they don't, she broke my heart then, but I don't have, I don't have any problems with it now. So uh, my number one settlement, and this is it. You guys love the rankings. This is what you love about these shows, right? The rankings here. Uh, my number one divorce settlement. Going back, I'm telling you, classic, 1970. 1970, I was married to a flower girl named Daisy. We met in 1967, Topanga Canyon area. And she was there for a while, and I used to go out and visit her there. And I'll tell you there, as the time got on, by about 68 there, she was hanging out with some folks there that I didn't quite like. And they were hanging out on that ranch there, the old guy, they were drugging him and, and, and having sexual relations with him. I was not, I was not going on. By the summer of 69, we knew what was happening, right? So we were long gone. But I took Daisy. And, uh, you know, she was, uh, she was a free child, free spirit. Uh, we were both young. Uh, and I, uh, my first, Sharon and I, it was, it was a real simple, modest uh, marriage. Uh, Daisy and I, uh, you know, we would drop acid there, uh, trip to light fantastic, all those type of things. We would drive, I'll tell you what, we would drive around in uh, my Mercury Sable uh, with the top down. And we would, uh, we would drop some acid there. We would drive eight miles an hour. I thought it was flying a stagecoach uh, into a rainbow is what I absolutely thought, which is what I told the police officers when they pulled me over on that one occasion in uh, summer 69. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it went okay. I, I you know, I, I told them I was late and I had to get to the moon because Neil Armstrong owed me money. And they believed me, I think, at the time. Probably not. Uh, so Daisy and I did get married in uh, late 69, the winter time. The world was changing. The world was changing. We had the whole helter-skelter mess with uh, Chuck Manson and all the kids out there, which Daisy just missed. She could have been a part of that. She could have been a part of that. She wasn't. We had that. We landed on the moon, which meant we uh, 100% won the space race. Uh, everything about us on the up and up. And, and, and she, you know, she and I were just falling more in love. Then the, the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize uh, or forget about when they talk about the history of the 60s, which really ended it. A lot of people, a lot of people go to Altamont. With the, the Rolling Stones and the Hells Angels. And I tell you what, I know Charlie Watts. He's not only just a great drummer, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's, he never agreed. He never, never agreed with the idea that the Hells Angels should have been the security there. And God, there was a death, there was a murder. And it's what it was. It was a straight out murder. It was that. No, a lot of that did not end the 60s. That did not end the 60s. What actually ended the 60s was the Mets winning the World Series. That changed everything. That changed everything because uh, it, it launched uh, every. No one knew what to think anymore. What was was no longer there. What is was now gone. It was it was crazy. And I had a lot of money on the Orioles. I had a lot of money on the Orioles. David Johnson, great second baseman. I'll tell you that. Boog Powell, first baseman. One of my favorites. Anyways, so uh, Daisy and I did get married after that. We we said the world's changing. We were to grab on to each other there. Uh, so, uh, what ended up happening there is we got married and it, it didn't last long, eight months. We went to divorce proceedings and she went for the one thing that she knew would hurt me the most. And that was a signed copy of the White Album by Billy Preston. The late, great Billy Preston. Keyboarder. The uh, Beatles brought him in there when things went great. They said, Billy, come in here, make things, play some keys and make us feel good. And they, they got together again, the Beatles on the bed. I had, I had it. I bought the album there and loved the Beatles. And I met Billy Preston at a party up in Laurel Canyon. You guys, I, I've been to a lot of parties in Laurel Canyon there. Uh, David Crosby there says, hey, here he is. This is Billy Preston, played uh, keys on, uh, on the, uh, on the uh, record there for the Beatles, the White Album, I said, hold on, hold on. I got in my car. I drove down the hill, down Lowell Canyon, when it turns into Crescent Heights, made a ride on Sunset, and drove all the way over to the Tower Records there. While I was there, I ran into Frank Zappa. I ran into Robbie Krieger. That's what it was back then. 
got the White Album, drove back up to the party, had Billy Preston sign it right there. It was one of my greatest moments in life, and that's what Daisy went for. I had that thing a year, year and a half. She knew. Because we were not, when we, when we, when Daisy and I made love, we, did, we went to another level. It wasn't just physical connection. It was an honesty uh, that was uh, you know, probably fueled by drugs. But she knew that. And so that's, you know, she did, she took it. She took it. That's the only thing that she asked for. She asked for money, no cars, no clothes, no nothing, no support, nothing. She went to the judge and said, this is what I want. And he gave it to her. I don't like judges. It's a problem. So there you go. Petey. That was the best list of all time. No one else. You want to rank your pictures, your Batmans, your Supermans, whatever. Doesn't matter. That's what it is. Let me take a track. All right. I'm Dutch Allen. That was Inside Tinseltown, part of the Saturday Night Napstock program tonight. I won't even get my own show now. Unbelievable. Daisy, if you're listening, give me a call. May 9th, 1775, nervous for his appearance as a delegate from Virginia in the Second Continental Congress. Future President of the United States, George Washington, goes out on a late-night bender in Philadelphia that begins with Washington winning a pub trivia contest against several luminaries, including Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and John Hancock. Adams was surly, as usual, though Franklin disputed the result, saying Washington cheated by getting the answer whispered to him by New Hampshire delegate William Whipple. After a brief fistfight, most of the party was banned from the pub. But Washington rallied everyone and led them to a neighboring pub for karaoke. Franklin would later write it was Washington's first act of true leadership. All this and more happened on this day in history. for this week. I want to thank every one of you that purchased a copy of Why We Love Star Wars as part of the special sale that I had over the Star Wars Day weekend and week. Sold out. Sold out my keychains. Sold out my books. And I've got to mail them. There was a slight delay at my mailing center because of a break-in over there. That's a whole lot of fun drama I don't want to talk about. Didn't involve me and I didn't do it. But... Uh, I haven't started mailing out the packages in full yet, so if you ordered one, they are on the way. You'll get a confirmation email from my website uh, shop. Uh, you can still buy uh, books. I'll get a, another couple. I think I have a few left, but uh, the package deal is done. But you can go to KenNapsack.com and the shop tab for more. Follow my baseball podcast, Box Score Heroes, which is just about to launch. Get ready for that as baseball, rumors of it starting to return. Yep, I don't know if I'm on board, not on board. We're going to talk about all that. I also want to thank everyone who supports me on Patreon at patreon.com slash including my executive producer supporters, Thomas Risling, Lethal, Logan X, Bedore, Matt Thompson. Hey, Matt. Nathan Ovendale, Zach Anderson, Ty Schallenberger, Chad Benningfield, Tommy Terry Green over in the UK, Jones Berger, and Andrew Seiner, Old Handsaw, Zach Taylor. And Tyler Birch, all on the team as well. If you want to support again, go to patreon.com slash That's it for this week. We'll see you. Bye. If you'd like to leave a comment, just follow Ken on Twitter at CatNapsock. Use the hashtag files and join the conversation. A promise is not to ignore you for too long.